Okay. If, uh, I mean, you could just open up your Bible, like I say, table of contents. Just go to table of contents. Table of contents. When you're reading the Bible or just considering the books of the Bible and you start thinking about the books that are named after possibly the author or named after a person, right? Especially when it comes to the prophets, right? Let's say Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. If you start looking at some of them, maybe even Nehemiah, uh, if you start looking at some of those books, what you have a tendency, not in all of them, but I think over and over, especially with the prophets, we have a tendency to either remember them based off their words, like their message, or their actions, right? Their words or their actions. We think, okay, oh, he was the one who prophesied this, or he's the one who did this. And so we, they, they get, it's, a lot of times, I think that that's how we remember them. But when you come to the book of Jeremiah, not in every situation, but I think a large, a large amount of the time, maybe the majority of the time, before we think about the words of Jeremiah or even the actions of Jeremiah, a lot of times we think of the person, right? Because when we think of Jeremiah, he's often referred to as the, the weeping prophet, right? So immediately it becomes more personal, right? Not about his words. I guess you could call it an action, but we start thinking a little bit more about the person instead of some of these other things. Even when you start reading like any introduction to the book of Jeremiah, they almost always focus on his personality, right? For example, here's just one introduction to the book of Jeremiah. God chose this man who had a mother's heart, a trembling voice, and tear-filled eyes to deliver a harsh message. Please note, all those things that start before you get to the harsh message is more about him as a person, right? A mother's heart, trembling voice, tear-filled eyes. Uh, the, the message that he gave broke his own heart. One author, now this author is quoting another author, has, uh, has written, Jeremiah was not a man mighty as Elijah, eloqu- eloquent as Isaiah, angelic as Ezekiel, but one who was timid and shrinking, conscious of his helplessness, yearning for a sympathy and a love he was never to know. Such was the chosen organ through which the word of the Lord came to that corrupt and degenerate age. So once again, in a, it's all about Jeremiah the person, his, his character, his his the way, his the way he's kind of made up. So what we're going to do this morning for the first hour is we're going to kind of do a brief kind of biographical study of Jeremiah, but we're going to do so based what's in the book itself. Because I, I won't say it's a completely unique feature, but I think in the book of Jeremiah, if you look at it or read it, you will notice that in the book of Jeremiah, there's a lot of information, a biographical information about Jeremiah himself. Right. And so I think since I, I again, I, I can't say how unique that is. I'd have to compare it to every other book of the Bible. But we, we know, in, for example, we know in some cases who the author is 
And what we know about the author sometimes doesn't have a profound impact, right? For example, if we believe in the mosaic authorship of Genesis, correct? Does it really impact our understanding of Genesis to know that Moses wrote it? Not really. The only thing it would tell us is obviously Genesis, uh, Moses did not write Genesis as an eyewitness. Right? So that, would, that gives us a little bit of clue, but it not. Some books, who the author is, has a very, maybe a more important impact on what's going on. Okay, this person wrote it. So, but in Jeremiah, not only how important it is to know who he is, we'll have to determine that. But the main thing is to realize that the book itself gives us, gives us a lot of information about Jeremiah the man. So therefore, if the book gives us that, we're just going to kind of go through it and see what we can find. We may read some other things, giving some more information about the person. We may look at the Bible dictionary, uh, at its entry, it, it's the entry it has on Jeremiah the man himself. But let's just kind of go through uh, some, some scriptures and see what we can learn about Jeremiah from the text itself. All right, so go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1. All right. Now, if we look at this text, we read these words. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Okay. Now, from Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1, many have drawn the conclusion that Jeremiah was born a priest. He was born a priest. And there's a couple of reasons why they think this, all right? For, now, depending on your translation, how does the NIV translate Jeremiah 1-1? Okay, now some will focus that Hilkiah is the priest, but here's how some, some read this and how understand, and understands this. Jeremiah 1-1 states that Jeremiah was a priest from Anathoth. We disc, uh, uh, it says, but basically, Anathoth was a city in Benjamin, which had been given to the Levitical priest. So Jeremiah comes from a city of priests. So first, the city itself had been given over to the Levitical priest. Going along with that, Jeremiah's father was named Hilkiah. While it's not certain that this is the Hilkiah who was the high priest in Josiah's day, he certainly could be that same Hilkiah. And if Jeremiah's father is a priest, he would be a priest as well. So Jeremiah is from the priestly city of Anathoth, his father is possibly the famous high priest of Josiah's day. Therefore, Jeremiah 1.1 should be understood to be pointing to the fact that Jeremiah was a priest. Now, him being a priest, we don't know. I, we cannot. I mean, if you can read the book of Jeremiah for yourself to determine this. When you look at the book of Jeremiah, we could see, we could read and ask, is he involved in any of the priestly activity is he involved in any actions of a priest he may be a priest but he seems to serve more at, in the office of what a prophet he's typically referred to as a prophet as a prophet as a prophet but he may may have been a priest but he served more and in the function of a prophet i think that's
Well, Hilkiah was a priest. They're saying they're just offering evidence to prove that Jeremiah was a priest. So the city uh, seems to indicate there's a high possibility. His father was a priest, and they said that would immediately imply that Jeremiah was a priest. They're just trying to offer all the arguments around. There may be those who would argue against it, but I think most would argue that there's a high probability Jeremiah was at least born as a priest, part of the uh, priestly line, and... um, how does that impact us understanding Jeremiah? Only you, you, you would have to read and see. All right, go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. We'll go to verse 4 for context. Jeremiah 1, 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He was chosen to be a prophet before he was born. Jeremiah 1.5, he was chosen to be a prophet. So even if he was born a priest, we know what he was chosen for, to, to, to op- operate in the office of a prophet. And how do we always draw the distinction between priest and prophet? Yeah, the priest, or the priests speak to God on behalf of the people. And the prophet speaks to the people on behalf of God. Okay, just so it's a, just an easy way to remember the, the distinction if, if you need that, all right? So number one, he was born a priest, most likely, in Anath. We know he was born in Anathoth. North, uh, uh, and that's, that city is a priestly city. Uh, we, we definitely seems to imply that his father was a priest, meaning that we can see Jeremiah as a priest. He was chosen to be a prophet before he was born. Look at uh, Jeremiah 1.6. Right. Uh, well, if we look at five, and then we'll just we'll go back through five again. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. All right. So this would seem to imply not only was he chosen to be a prophet before he was born, he was called to the prophetic office while very young. Because he refers to himself as a child. Now, how young? I don't, we could probably try to do some speculating, but for now, we won't. We won't speculate now. Just basic information, all right? A priest chosen to be a prophet before the foundation of the world. Number three, he was chosen to the prophetic office very young. And then look at verses nine and ten. Yeah. 13, I think it's 13, yeah. So maybe, maybe maybe at around that time, possibly, I don't know. I think his ministry is, what, 40 years, I believe. I believe his ministry is around 40 years long. So um, then you could look at what was the average age of the people at the time of Jeremiah. Maybe, maybe that would give us some help, but, you know. Um, but we know he was young. That's the main thing. Uh, then look at Jeremiah 1, verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. All right, so number one, he was, he was born a priest. Number two, chosen to be a prophet. Number three, called to the prophetic office when he was young. And number four, commissioned by God. 
in verses 9 and 10. God is the one who does the commissioning. So we could say he was chosen, called, and commissioned. Chosen, called, and commissioned. And obviously God is involved in the entire situation. All right, now go to 2 Chronicles 35. 2 Chronicles 35. 2 Chronicles 35, look at verse 25. 2 Chronicles 35, verse 25. I know we left the book of Jeremiah. I wanted to kind of stay there, but just for getting more information... Second Chronicles 35, 25. Everybody there? All right, and what do we read here? And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah, and all the singing men and the singing women spake of Josiah and their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel, and behold, they were written in the lamentations. Everybody see that? All right, this... This gives us just a little bit of clue. I know it's not super clear, but it gives us a little bit of clue that Jeremiah began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah and was a mourner at his funeral. Right? Yes, I mean, that's, that's what's happening there, right? He, he lamented Josiah. Everybody see that? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, that's there. All right. And if you go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 2. To, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, the lamentation is he's lamenting his, his death, right? Okay. See it? All right, cool. And if you go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 2, you kind of get the same kind of, at least a little bit of information. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, right? So, uh, Jeremiah began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah and was a mourner at his funeral, it appears. All right, so what was number one? Born a priest and Anathoth, right? Second, chosen to be a prophet before he was born. Jeremiah 1.5. Number three, called to the prophetic office when he was young. Jeremiah 1.6. He was commissioned by God. Jeremiah 1.9 and verse 10. He began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah and was a mourner at his funeral. 2 Chronicles 35.25. Then I'll go to Jeremiah 16. We learn more about Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 16 Verse 1. Everybody there? Jeremiah 16, verse 1. The word of the Lord came also unto me, saying, Thou shalt not take thee a wife, neither shalt thou have sons or daughters in this place. For thus saith the Lord concerning the sons and concerning the daughters that are born in this place and concerning their mothers that bear them and concerning their fathers that begat them in this land. They shall die of grievous deaths. They shall not be lamented. 
Neither shall they be buried, but they shall be as dung upon the face of the earth. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine, and their carcasses shall be meat for the fowls of heaven and for the beast of the earth. That's a good encouraging verse to put on your refrigerator, huh? Okay, yeah, a very horrible message, but we learn something about Jeremiah here. He was forbidden to marry. He was not allowed to be, to be married or to have children. Jeremiah chapter 16. Well, well I, I, you, you could look at this. Do I? Right. Most people say he's just forbidden to marry. Right, right. Yeah, he's going to be with the people. He's going to stay with them all the way. So, but uh, I think that, that you can look at this a couple of ways. So one way, you can look at this and it may seem cruel and harsh, right? You're like, well, wait a minute. He's got to be delivering this horrible message because he, he's been commissioned to deliver this message that's not going to be pleasant. We know he's going to be rejected and he's not going to have any companionship. He's not going to have a wife. He's not going to have any, not going to have any family. He has to do this alone. On the other hand, you could almost see it almost as an act of grace because God is saying, you're not going to have children and a family because what's going to happen to the people? They're going to die horribly. So I'm sparing you that. And it could be argued. Now, again, you could go back and forth on how you want to view this because if he has a family and he's got to deliver this message, then his family could constantly be a constant concern for him instead of trying to deliver a message that could lead to persecution and death, right? And he would be more worried about trying to protect his family than delivering the message. So you could argue it's a sign of grace, but it could be an, argue, an argument that, no, it really is. I'm going to keep anything from you that's going to prevent you from... Delivering the message. So it, it, you can look at, you can try to say, you can look at this as trying to be a positive thing, but I, I think it's more like I've got, I've given you a job and nothing is going to get in the way from that job I've given you. I, th- I think that's more how to look at it, but you could, you can read it for yourself. All right. So let's go through these again. He was born a priest in Anathoth, right? Chosen to be a prophet before he was born, chapter 1, verse 5. Called to be a prophet when he was young, chapter 1, verse 6. Commissioned, chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah and was a mourner at his funeral. You could go Jeremiah 1, 1 and 2 Chronicles 35, 25. He was forbidden to marry, uh, Jeremiah 16, 1 through 4. All right, number 7. Now, number seven, I'm going to put these all together. We could break these down into individual parts, but this is all going to kind of be around the same kind of concept. You ready? Here we go. Uh, we, we, I guess we could refer to this as um, Jeremiah's definition of success. I don't know how you want to call this, but here's the reality of Jeremiah. You ready? Number one, he never made a convert. Number two, He was rejected by his people. Number three, he was hated. Number four, he was beaten. (laughs) Number five, he was put in stocks. Number six, he was imprisoned. And number seven, he was charged with being a traitor. But we'll just group all of them together. I'm just numbering them out so you can see. You could call this, we could call this number seven. And I don't know what you want to call it. Jeremiah's suffering. Maybe we'll call it that. Okay, we'll call it Jeremiah's suffering. Um, 
but he never made a convert. He was rejected by his people. He was hated. He was beaten. He was put in stocks. He was imprisoned and he was charged with being a traitor. Wow, what a successful ministry, huh? All right. Well, yeah, but I guess. Uh, put in stocks, imprisoned, and charged with being a traitor. And we'll just look at some of these scriptures really quick. You ready? Well, I think being in prison just could be in the cell. Being stocks was locked up. A, yeah, yeah, like locked up a different way. They did different things to him, probably for suffering or humiliation purposes. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's probably yeah, probably why. Yeah. All right. Uh, go. Let's go through a couple of these. Go to Jeremiah chapter eleven. All right, Jeremiah chapter 11, we'll just look at some of these uh, passages. Start in verse, where do we want to start with this one? Start in verse 18. All right. There's a, some of this, well, there's a lot here we could, we could do, but let's just, Jeremiah 11, verse 18, and the Lord hath given me knowledge of it, and I know it, uh, then thou showest me their doings. But I was like a lamb or an ox that is brought to the slaughter, And I knew not that they had devised devices against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with the fruit thereof. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be no more remembered. That's 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 encouraging, is it not? But O Lord of uh, O but O Lord of hosts that judgest righteously, thy triest the reins and the heart. Let me see the vengeance on them, for unto thee have I revealed my cause. Therefore. Uh, Thus saith the Lord of the men of Anathoth that seek thy life, saying, Prophesy not in the name of the Lord that thou die not by our hand. Clearly, you see, he's, (laughs) you can see he's, uh, he's doing, he's, he's dealing with a lot of difficulties. Can you, can we see that or at least understand that? And then go to verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 6. Yeah, do not prophesy, you'll die. Okay, yes, okay. All right. All right. Okay, well, I mean, we'll get more into it. I'm just trying to give you a general feel. I'm not trying to uh, go through the whole chapters, but you're just getting the general feel, right? That what I want you to see is the hatred, right? And the rejection. And in chapter 12, verse 6, For even thy brethren and even the house of thy father, even they have dealt treacherously with thee. Yea, they have called a multitude after thee. Believe them not, though they speak fair words unto thee. Right? In other words, just wherever he looks, what is he going to to experience? Yeah, rejection. Rejection. Right? Jeremiah 18, 18. Jeremiah 18, 18. Then said they, come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us smite him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. That's, that's always good, right? And then look at chapter 20. Chapter 20. 
right? Chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Now Pasher, the son of Emmer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things, right? That's Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1, verse 2. Then Pasher smote Jeremiah, the prophet, put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. So they literally, I think what Sarah was saying, they put him on display. They put him outside. They put him there for everyone to see, right? And then it came to a pass on the morrow that Pasher brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks, then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pasher, but Magor Mishabib, right? So, and we could we can continue to go through the rest of this, but you get the idea that he's what? Being rejected and being punished. And then go to Jeremiah 37. Jeremiah 37, verse 11. Jeremiah 37, verse 11. Everybody there? And it came to pass that when the army of the Chaldeans was uh, broken up from Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army, then Jeremiah went forth out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to separate himself thence in the midst of the people. And when he was in the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the ward was there whose name was Arijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. And he took Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Thou fallest away to the Chaldeans. So what's he being accused of here? That, no, he's, that he's basically being a traitor. He's, he's fallen in with the Chaldeans. Then said Jeremiah, It is false. I fall not away to the Chaldeans. But he hearkened not to him. So Arijah took Jeremiah and brought him to the princes. Wherefore, the princes were wroth with Jeremiah and smote him, put him in prison, and in the house of Jonathan the scribe, um, for they had made that the prison. And then look at verse 16. When Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon and into the cabins, Jeremiah had remained there many days. So he is, <laughs> nobody likes him, nobody's listening to him, and he's being physically punished for simply pre- preaching. And, and it is hard, like, from a human, like, it, it depends on how you look at this, right? From a human perspective, you're like, well, this is ridiculous. Why would God commission him, call him to a ministry that's going to be absolutely 100% what? From a human perspective. Failure. Failure. Totally useless. <laughs> totally useless. Like, from a human perspective, I mean, we, know, we already know what's going to happen. The people of Judah are going where? Babylon, four? Right, right, 70 years? Okay, right, right, right. Okay, they're going to be, are they not going to be there for that long? Like, no matter what. So it's like, on one hand, why even bother? Why even bother? Now, I, I know it heaps, it makes Israel or Judah seem more guilty but it just seems like, could, couldn't Jeremiah have been commissioned to do something better, right? Couldn't it like, hey, these people over here, this is quote unquote the believing remnant. Go strengthen them. Go preach them. Go teach to them. But like, no, 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 no. Go to these people. Nobody's going to listen to you. They're all going to hate you. And they're all going to persecute you. That's going to be your life's ministry. And you're not going to have one convert. 
Well, we, well, we could look at some of the others and see what they did, right? Yeah, 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 maybe multiple messages, but ultimately they're all still going to Babylonian captivity, for, right? So, yeah, that's, yeah, that, I mean, well, there's a lot we could say there. Okay, but that's a lot. Right? So, number one, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you just, I'm just saying when you look at it, you're just kind of like, what's the point here? What's the point here? And, but it also demonstrates that uh, you do not determine truth by the number of people who accept it. Truth cannot be determined by its popularity. Truth cannot be determined like you, 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 by, you can't do that. People reject it. People hate you. People talk about you. That doesn't, that doesn't, because it's very easy for you to then say, well, maybe I'm not preaching the right thing, but that's not the way, you know. Yeah, but yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll possibly talk about that more. So let's go through these again. Number one, Jeremiah was born a priest in Anathoth, the uh, uh, north of Jerusalem, chapter one, verse one. He was chosen to be a prophet before he was born, chapter one, verse five. He was called to be the pro- a prophet to the prophetic office while he was young, chapter one, verse six. He was commissioned by God, chapter one, verse nine and verse 10. He began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah, Jeremiah 1, 1, I think it's 1, 1 or 1, 2, um, and was a mourner at the funeral, second Chronicles at Josiah's funeral, second Chronicles 35, 25. He was forbidden to marry, chapter 16, verses one through four. He never made a convert. He was rejected by the people, hated, beaten, put in stocks in prison, and charged with being a traitor. And we looked at all of those passages. All right? Look at chapter 9, verse 1. Chapter 9, verse 1. You see, there's a lot about Jeremiah and Jeremiah. That's, that's kind of what I want us to see, that this is one of these books that gives us a lot of information. All right? Jeremiah 9, 1. Everybody there? Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. His message broke his own heart. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. The very message that he had delivered broke his own heart. Yet the people he delivers it to hates him for it. You talk about a messed up situation, right? Uh, well, not, I, I, I'm just, I'm just going through Jeremiah for now. Yeah. So, but for now, just going through that, but Lamentations would, would give us some of that emotion. But I think it's kind of like, it, it's hard to comprehend this because from a human perspective, I would think like, okay, that's what you want me to do. You want me to deliver my message to these people? Fine. I'm going to deliver the message. I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm just going to like, hey, you're all going to be destroyed. You're all going to die. You're going to captivity. It's your fault, right? But he is, he is felt, he feels the emotion of the message, which is a pretty awesome thing because I think most people would be like, look, if that's the way you're going to treat me, then I, I'm almost going to take pleasure in delivering the message, right? Right? I mean, do, do you see how that would work? Like you would almost like, oh, Oh, yeah, you're going to find out I was right. Like, I'd be like, go ahead, talk your trash. Give it a couple of years and you're going to come back begging me because you're going to know that I was right. Like, I would almost want to rub that in, but he he doesn't seem to do that. Um, Because I definitely would have been, after they went into captivity, I would have made sure I went walking around going, yeah, who told you so? Come on, I told you, I told you. But he, he doesn't do that, or at least we... Not that we have recorded. He may have been thinking it, but we don't know. 
And then look at chapter 20, verse 9. Chapter 20, verse 9. What do we read here? Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Now, a roundabout way, this is basically, he wanted to resign. He wanted to quit. He wanted to stop preaching. He wanted to stop, but he couldn't stop. He wanted to. He didn't want to speak anymore in the name of Christ. He didn't want, or in the name of God. He didn't want to speak anymore the truth. But what was, what was the situation? He, he couldn't, he couldn't stop himself, no matter how much he wanted to. That's always, I think, I think, uh, for those in ministry, I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, there's, uh, there's a constant wanting to just say, forget it. It's a waste of time. Like, why am I even worrying about this? And at the same time, there's a part where you don't want to stop because, well, in a sense, I think that's, you know, people always talk about what is a call to ministry. And I don't, you know, it's not some emotional thing. It's not some mystical thing. I think when you find yourself that you have to speak about it, right? No matter how much you may not want to, you can't stop yourself from doing it. Like, you know, like you're like, because I, I know I could, I could, there's probably, you know, I, I talk, yeah, you know, the, always the joke is, is every pastor resigns on Monday, like by the time Monday gets here, every pastor's like, that's it, I quit. But you can try to quit, but by the next Sunday, you have to do it. Like, you, like it's, it's just a weird, it's, it's, almost a, it's almost torture. Like sometimes it's, there you go. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, you get tired of it. Like you're almost like, why can't I just like, because a lot of people can like have a job and be like, well, I'm just going to quit the job and they never think about it. But somehow being a pastor is no, like you want to quit, but you can't. You, you can't get away and, you're, and, and it can become almost maddening. Like, well, can I just walk away from this and just be done with it? But then you're like, you, you, you can't. You, you'll find yourself going, I need a microphone and I need, I need, I need to talk. I need, I need a pulpit. I need people. I need, and, and it's like, it's kind of a weird, it's like, a, it becomes the driving force, right? So those are nine things, right? So let's go through them. Born a priest, chosen to be a prophet, called to be to the prophetic office, commissioned, began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah and was a mourner at the funeral, forbidden to marry, Never made a convert, or well, just his suffering, okay? Number eight, his message broke his own heart. Number nine, he wanted to resign. And then number ten, he saw the destruction of Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity and was permitted to remain in the land by the captain of the Babylonian forces. He saw the destruction of Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity and was permitted to remain in the land by the captain of the Babylonian forces. When the remnant wanted to flee to Egypt, Jeremiah prophesied against it, was forced to go with the remnant to Egypt and died there. Tradition says that he was stoned by the remnant. So the traditions say the very remnant that he ends up with they, they turn on him and kill him. <laughs> Which, you, if that is true, then you talk about the... the 
Hey, so like, hey guys, okay, he's forced to go with the remnant. He's with the remnant. And then the remnant themselves turn and say, die, and then stone you to death. You got to be like, what a successful ministry. Yeah, yeah, well, but then he was forced to go with them, right? And then they turn and kill him. Like, if that's tradition is true. That's just, what a, what a, what, I mean, oh, there's just so much to say about that. Let's just look at some of these scriptures. Go to chapter 42, Jeremiah 42. Now, obviously, we won't have a scripture for the tradition, and you can, there's probably a lot of traditions. We would have to look at them, and maybe when we get to the, at some point, we will. Um, This is a long section here. I don't know how much of this we want to look at, but 4215, 4215, okay. Again, I just have to jump in into the middle of some of these. Everybody understand that, right? All right, 42, 15, or verse, uh, yeah. And now therefore hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you wholly set your faces to enter into uh, to Egypt and to go to sojourn there, then it shall come to pass that the sword which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine whereof you are afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there shall, and there ye shall die. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. And none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. For thus saith the Lord God, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as mine anger and my fury hath been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you when you shall enter into Egypt and you shall be an excretion and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach and you shall see this place no more. I mean, that's some pretty strong words, is it not? All right, uh, we can continue uh, reading. Uh, the Lord, uh, the Lord... God hath said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. For you disassembled in your hearts when you sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, pray for us unto the Lord our God. And according unto all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us and we will do it. And now I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God nor anything for the which he hath sent me unto you. Now, therefore, know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and the place whither you desire to go and to sojourn. So they wanted him to get, talk to God for them. And then when he, they get what God wanted them to know, they rejected it. A lot of times we want to know what God wants us to do until we find out what God wants us to do, and then we are unwilling to do what God wants us to do for chapter 43 and it came I'm sorry go ahead yes I'm just going to read a little bit of it and it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people all the words of the Lord uh, their God for which the Lord their God hath sent him to them even all these words then spake Azariah the son of Hoshiah and uh, Johanan the son of Korea. And all the proud men, saying unto Jerusalem, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go into, uh, go not into Egypt to sojourn there. So immediately, you're wrong. 
you're immediately wrong, right? You're wrong. And uh, that's, I, I, in a roundabout way, there's a little bit of uh, reality. There's a little bit of, uh, th- that's the way ministry can work so many times. People want to hear you preach God's word until they don't want you to preach God's word, right? Preach God's word. No, you're wrong. Okay, well then, if you already knew what God wanted, then why do you want me to preach it, right? If you already know it, then you don't need me to preach it. Or do you want me to just preach what you already know? It's like, like sometimes ministry is a weird thing, but you can just see that's a, a horrible situation for him. Well, I, I don't think he's surprised by it. Um, who knows? I mean, uh, also Jeremiah seems to be very emotional, right? So just because you're not surprised doesn't mean he doesn't have an emotional impact. He seemed to have, everything seemed to impact him emotionally. Because at some point, you just become weary of it. Maybe he thought by this point that at least the remnant would listen. Right? I know the nation at large is not going to listen. Maybe the remnant. And if the remnant turned on him, and if they stoned him, can you imagine how that must have felt? That must have, that must have been horrible. So let's just do this quickly. We, we only have a few minutes here, all right? There's much more we could say. I just want to give you like six points of application from his, these things about Jeremiah himself. I know we didn't get, we had to go through that really quick. And I know there's lots of interesting things in chapters to to read, but that, that, the reason I wanted to do it that way is to get you hopefully to want to actually read the book. So then you can read all of those things about him. All right. That's, that's the goal there. All right. So, but what I wanted you to see primarily is, this is, uh, Jeremiah is an interesting book because so much biographical information is contained in the book about Jeremiah himself. So, just looking at Jeremiah, we get a pretty good picture of Jeremiah, do we not? His life, his time, we, we get a little bit of information about him. So, what can we do with this information? Well, I think it's, I think it's very important to do this. And I'm just going to go, th- I, I can't, uh, I can't elaborate on these. I can't go in depth on any of these. But here's just six things. Number one, the importance of not forgetting our calling and commission. Right? Because just as he was calling, he was chosen, called, and commissioned. In a sense, we are chosen, called, and commissioned. Right? We are chosen before foundation of the world. What are we called to? You can look to Ephesians chapter 1 about what we are called to. Right? We are called to be holy and blameless. Now, the only way that happens is by imputed righteousness, but we are called to the adoption. We are, we're, we are called to an inheritance. We, we cannot forget all the things we have been called to. We can't forget that we were chosen before the foundations of the world, just like Jeremiah was. We can't forget that we are called to certain things, and we cannot forget that we are commissioned, just as he is commissioned. Because what's the point, what's the point of church? To equip people for the work of ministry. Every person has a ministry. And we forget that we're commissioned to that ministry. Let's think about the average church member doesn't perceive their life as ministry. They perceive their life as doing this or doing that. But we, we are commissioned to a ministry. So how can we minister? Who, to whom can we minister? And how can we minister to them? I mean, that's... That's just a very important point that all of our lives we have to look at. It doesn't mean you have to go preach. It doesn't mean you have to go teach. It just means that all of us have to stop and ask ourselves, how can I 
minister to the people I'm in contact with, right? And sometimes that doesn't mean teaching. That doesn't mean preaching. It can mean encouraging, helping, assisting, not hurting, not hindering, right? We can always look for ways in which we can do that. I know we don't have time to really elaborate on that, but there's that. Number two. All right. Um, so it's the importance of not forgetting our calling and our commission. All right. Um, yeah, I, I kind of broke that down, but I'll just gr- group them together. Number two, I think uh, we can see here the cost of following, right? The cost of following, because does he not pay a high cost in you know, following and obeying God? He can't get married. And then he, his whole life is basically one of what? Rejection and punishment and accusations and gossip and slander. Like that's his whole life. Well, we know that in Scripture, we are told as Christians, for example, look at Luke 14, 25, just quickly for. We know this passage. 14, 25. And there was a great multitude with him, and he turned and said unto them, verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father, his mother, wife, children, brother, and sisters, Yea, his own life, you cannot be my disciple. And whoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. All right? Yeah, and then count the cost. I mean, so clearly there's a cost in following Christ. If we're going to follow Christ, I think think this is the way to understand it. The, The closer you follow, the greater the cost. The closer you want to follow, the greater the cost. You can follow from a distance. There's less of a cost. The closer, the greater the cost. And I think we can we can see that. We I mean we can get to. I know there's get into a million arguments with that passage, but we won't do that now. All right. Next. So number one, we we got to remember the importance of not forgetting our ch- being chosen, our being called, and our being commissioned. All right. I'd broken that down with number two, but I just grouped those together. So then, actually, now number two is the cost of following. Number three will be uh, it, this book. Jeremiah may challenge our perception of success. Right. I mean, come on, uh, would any, in, in, in any modern day sense, even Christians you know who are very committed to Christ, and even though they, I mean, Christians constantly say, hey, 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 the size of the church does not determine the success of the minute. Everyone says that. But then as soon as they see a small church that's supposedly not growing, what do they immediately say? Yeah, nothing's going on. It's a waste. You should just end it. Come, come, come join our church because we've got more people and more excited. That, but that success cannot be determined by that because you would throw out Jeremiah completely. I mean, he would be an abysmal failure, would he not? Every human standard would say that he is pathetic. Yeah, man. Yeah, loser. Right, exactly. Right. Come on. Uh, so I think that's important. And then next, we must speak the truth no matter how it is received. You can't start thinking, well, wait a minute, if people are getting mad, if people are getting upset, if people are leaving, or people are getting frustrated, well, then I can't speak that. In. You can't 
You can't determine what you speak based off how people receive it. You just can't. You can't do that. And I know the church, uh, if you think about it, the entire structure of the church is really designed to go against that concept. Because the structure of the church is designed that you have to maintain people to maintain money in order to maintain the ministry. Well, how do you maintain people? You, you got to tell them what they want. And, you, and, you, and a pastor, if they're paying any close attention, if you're paying any close attention, you'll know, oh, I better stop right there. Like you, you can just know, if I continue to pursue this line of reasoning, this line of questioning, I'm, I'm going to lose those people. So you have to make a choice immediately. What do you do? What do you do? Do you pull back or do you double down? Now, if you pull back, well, then guess what? You're going to have to pull that back for someone else, someone else. So then pretty soon you create a ministry where you say, you make sure you never say anything that could offend. So you have to be more generic and more vague. And so you don't get very specific. You don't get very theological. And if you get theological, you speak in vague generalities because the more specific you become theologically, what happens? You're going you're to lose people. So you just can't pursue it. And it's just, that, that's the, the church structure really creates the, the whole problem, right? Because you got to have money. And therefore, well, how do you get money? You got to have people. So what can you not do? Offend the people. And it's like, what a game. What a messed up system. What a, the whole system in that sense is corrupt because it's, it, it literally creates that you have to create the most generic, vague, surface level ministry because any, any pursuit of anything will get you into trouble. You can't call, you can't say, what about this or what about that? Or no, no, no. Nobody wants to hear what about this or what about that. People just want simple answers, three points, get me out because anything, and you have to make a decision what you want. And and then you can't focus on pleasing others. And I'm going to make that the last point because you can't. Not, you must speak the truth no matter how it's received, but you can't focus on pleasing other people. And Paul, Galatians 1.10, we'll just end with this verse. Galatians 1.10. Because Paul had this same kind of problem here. Because he just told them, hey, if anyone preaches you another gospel, they're anathema, they're cursed, Right? And then what does he say in verse 10? Galatians 1.10, for, for do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, should not be the servant of Christ. Meaning there's no way you're going to please people and try to be the servant of Christ. You're not. I don't think there's any way to please people and try to actually pursue uh, scripture. I don't th- you can't please people and pursue scripture. Nobody really, no, I don't care what Christians say. Nobody wants you to pursue scripture. They want you to pursue what? Their system, right? It's like, here you go. Here's what you're supposed to do. You go to Bible college or seminary. They hand you a system, right? You take that system and you make sure that when you preach, you never do what? Bump up against the system. Whether that system is London Baptist, Lordship, Westminster, what, and you never question it. 
You just preach the system. And not only do you preach the system, you even preach the system somewhat generically, never in an offensive way, and then you keep everyone happy. And then you have nice big programs, lots of little activities. Everyone, make sure you have a picnic and everyone can shake everyone's hand and kiss some babies and everyone's happy. But if you really say, you know, no, 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 we're going to pursue this. We're going to dig in. We're going to question this. We're going to try to figure this out. People don't want that. Nobody wants it. So then you have to decide, what are you trying to do? Please people? Or Or pursue truth? So... Just in review, from the book of Jeremiah, we learn the following things about Jeremiah. Number one, he was born a priest where? Anathoth, right? Number two, chosen to be a prophet before he was born. Number three, called to be an op- to the prophetic office when he was young. Next, he was commissioned by God. Next, he began his ministry during the reign of King Josiah and was a mourner at the funeral. Next, was forbidden to have a wife for kids. Next. All the suffering, a life of suffering. Next, message broke his own heart. And then next, he wanted to quit, but he couldn't. And then number 10, he saw the destruction of Jerusalem and Babylon, was forced to go with the remnant to Egypt and possibly died there. And according to some traditions, he was killed by the remnant itself, which would be, if that is even remotely true, that would be the most depressing story ever. <laughs> that would be, that would be, they'd be like, hey, God sends you to minister to the people and the people you minister to are the people who kill you. And the people who kill you will think that they are right. They will think that they're doing the godly thing. And you will die being viewed as failure, heretic, false prophet. That is, that is a depressing, (laughs) that makes you just say, you know what? Maybe ministry is not for anyone. (laughs) Okay. Maybe everyone should just retire from ministry. Let the church people who don't want to be in ministry figure it out on their own. That's that's almost what sometimes you want to do. All right. I got, I got, I got pages of of notes here, but I don't, we we're out of time. So let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. Lord, we pray that the biographical sketch of Jeremiah will challenge us to consider things differently and to take some of those points of application to heart. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. And God's people said...